Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm reading from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7. through 7. And it says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his sons, cleanses us from all sins. And a a heavy message, and and a heart message, and not a regular, typical, cute message. Um, I want to speak to you from this idea or from this subject. Get off the exit. Get off the exit. Come on, would you pray for me as we start? Father, we love you. I know, God, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Open our eyes, open our ears. Father, every distraction, every plan of the enemy, Lord. Father, we pray right now, Lord, that you would let it subside, Lord God. That you would completely eliminate it. And that, Father, our minds, our hearts would be open, Lord, and receptive. But, Father, let it not just be hearing and and listening and then moving away from the mirror, Lord, and forgetting what we look like. But, Father, let us put feet to this and let us move in action. Let us get off the exit today, Father. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything that you've done so far, Lord, and we're excited to see what you're going to do moving forward, Lord. It's in your beautiful name that I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands for Jesus all over this? Come on, put your hands together. You ready for this word? Amen. Get off the exit. Um, I, uh, I've shared so many times before that, um, that I, I come from a different generation and I made it very public that we come from the, the knockout generation, not the timeout generation. Um, my mama had very few words, good hands, um, and I learned a lot. Praise the Lord. Right, Ray? Amen. They were quick too, even if they were healthy. Like, you know what I mean? Like they were, they'll catch you. Um, they threw shoes around the corner, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I remember, you can't say stuff like that. Online. You're going to jail right now. <laughs> Take me to jail. Um, here's what, uh, I remember as a kid, I'd be scared to talk to my mom. Now understand I'm Cuban, right? So we had different ways of doing things. I think depending on your culture, uh, the demographic, your nationality, you treated things differently than other people did, right? Like us, we, you know, Spanish people, it don't matter if you're Cuban, Puerto Rican, if you're Dominican, if you're from Mexico, Honduras, Nicaraguan, we feel like VIX is the cure for everything. Like COVID, you just need a VIX bottle, bro. It's just, they don't want to do that because it, it doesn't cost money. And they know just slap a little VIX on that mug, your, your arm fell off put Vicks it'll grow back it's like bro no as a kid as a kid some of my Caribbean people y'all drink tea for everything it's tea y'all need a little tea that was a horrible Caribbean accent that was horrible Jason don't judge me oh he's not here thank god he didn't hear me oh his mom is here oh Puerto Rican though we're good it's not Boricua she's Puerto Rican she's Puerto Rican uh man I uh I remember as a kid, bro, I'd be scared to tell my mom when something was wrong with me. Like some of y'all remember that. I feel like you got to be a little older, but I remember I used to be terrified. Like if I fell out playing because we were played outside, we didn't have Fortnite, we didn't have the internet or the Google. And I remember that I would, I, if I fell and I hurt myself, like I'd be scared to show my mom because I knew she was going to do something like whether she'll put some Vicks on that mug or like alcohol. Like why would you torture a child like that? Like every, or, or me curo cromo. How you say that? I don't even... Me curo cromo. Iodine? No, I don't know if it's iodine. 
the red stuff that you put hydroperoxide and then you put the red stuff on it and you feel like it's the devil. You're like, you iodine, I guess. Uh, Mekurochrome. Oh my God, and it stains everything. That's the cure for everything. You need stitches. No, you don't. <laughs> what? Put some tape on that mug. So I, I would be scared sometimes to come to my mom. And I remember in specific times, like I would have this toothache. And you know, when you're growing up, like, you know what I mean? Like you, you know, you brush your teeth when you got up in the morning, maybe. If you had school at 7.30, you got up at 7.15. Don't look at me with that judgmental face. You did the same thing. 7.15, you got up and you threw a little Colgate in that mug, swished it around, try to hit your tongue so you don't stink. And then you ran out the house to go make sure that you were there before the bell rang. And man, I remember having these toothaches and I was terrified to tell my mom. Now, the reason why I was terrified to tell my mom, number one, she's going to try to put Vicks in my mouth. Like, bro, that's minty and nasty. Like, don't do that. Weird. But I, I was terrified because I knew that if I told my mom, it didn't just end there. It wasn't like, oh, okay, cool. You got a toothache. Here goes some Tylenol. It was, here goes some Tylenol. Here goes some Vicks. Put some water on it. Get a piece of meat and put it there. Weird stuff. And then tomorrow we're going to the dentist. That's why I didn't want to. See, because the dentists were from the devil. If you're in any type of dental care, I love you. God bless you. We need you in our life. We, if you're watching online and you're a dentist, we love you. But when I was a kid, I hated y'all. I still low-key hate y'all. But I, 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 I love you. I, I respect you now because I understand how much my teeth mean to me now. Amen? I really get how much. Now I brush my teeth three times a day and water floss and regular floss. And I get it. But when I was a kid, I didn't do any of those things. I was scared. So here's what would happen. If I had a toothache, if I had pain... I wouldn't even tell my mom. So I'd be eating on one side of my mouth, trying to act like nothing. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, no, I'm good. Trying to eat meat. Everything's on that side. And I was trying to hide something that was wrong with me because I knew that it wouldn't end just with me telling her. After I told her, then there was some things that would happen that would cause discomfort. But that discomfort would always create in me a healthy life. Meaning if I went to the dentist, the dentist would go in there. He'd you know, clean that stuff out and do the cavity and then give you that blue thing. Remember that blue thing? I, that happens no more as a, as a, the little fluoride thing. That was like my favorite thing after the dentist when everything was done. You're bleeding. And it's like, oh my God, amazing. But yo, and, and I knew that all that was coming. Yo, do you know that in life we do the same thing? It's a pattern in our life. Today's message is super heavy because I want to talk to you about this topic or this idea. It, it's repentance, right? So we, we have this thing that we deal with so much. And a lot of times we try to keep that thing hidden. I don't want everybody to know about this because if somebody finds out about this, then it means that I actually have to do something about this. And what happens is that we begin to live in that pain. We begin to experience it and then you normalize it and then you just live with it. And you're like, yo, this is just who I am. This is just a part of it. I can't tell anybody. And we fall under this lie from the enemy. Um, I, I hate to say it that way, but I believe that it's true. Where we just begin to say, it's just me and God, me and God know it. That's it. And that's not the way that God created it to be. There's supposed to be a community around you. There's supposed to be healing around you. James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Meaning that in the context of relationship, of not having 14 people know every, all your business, but at least one person knowing it. But we start to tolerate this. We start to live inside of it and it becomes normal because we're scared of taking that next step. Yeah, it's true, Chino. The, um, these days, everything is about tolerance. And the truth is, is tolerance, it's the enemy of repentance. It goes completely against repentance. Uh, if you take the, the, the dictionary definition of tolerance, it means that everyone has a right to their opinion, which is true, and should be treated with dignity and respect, which is also very true. 
But let's make a clear point. But everyone's opinion isn't right or equal. Okay, you can have the opinion, but sometimes your opinion can be wrong. And in a, in a society like we have today, um, tolerance has been just taken as a misunderstanding. It's misunderstanding, and, 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 and I'll give you an idea uh, so you can understand I'm, I'm not trying to bash tolerance. What I'm saying is, is that in society today, tolerance equals equality, means that you are right no matter what. And, and let's, let's get down to it. Everyone's opinion isn't equal. And I'll give, you a good, I'll give you a good description of that. Everybody knows who Mother Teresa is, right? She was a good person. She had opinions on what you should do that were right and wrong, how you should act, how you should be behave, how you should take care of people, right? She was a good person. Okay, her opinion is good. But Hitler also had some opinions about how you treat people and who was good and who was right and who was wrong. So are they equal? So do we have to tolerate everything? Do we take those opinions and make them fact? No. So in our society right now, we need to, we need to have a guideline. And our moral compass is, 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 is what, you're, what you think, what you feel is right and wrong. And, and, and sometimes we get caught up in that. Well, this is my opinion and you have to accept that and it's right no matter what you say. Uh, but we don't believe that because the well-being of our soul, to have a healthy soul, we're, we're, we're talking about soul care, it's so important that, that we understand that repentance, finding a right and wrong, knowing what we have to repent for, it, it, it makes a big deal. It makes a big deal on, on this side of eternity, not only on this side of eternity, but for eternity. Absolutely. When, when you think of repentance, right, think about this idea, right? We, we all have cars and we all drive cars. Um, and everybody, you have a car and you drive. And then your soul, right? We've been talking about soul. Last week we talked about the identity of the souls and how our formative years kind of create what that soul looks like. And then you begin to put up walls and you begin to believe lies where you start to people please and you start to perform so everybody likes you and you start to control people and control outcomes and we talked about how you can check the symptoms you know when you're living in that lie when you start get defensive when you start getting petty with people when you start having compulsive behaviors whether it's lust whether it's drugs and alcohol whether you're punching something like you can start to see where these things start showing up and it's like yo I'm, I'm on a faulty foundation so when we talk about the soul right the operating system right you're operating it manages everything of your life when your soul is off kilter when your soul is off because there's some things that you've been tolerating and you've been living in that nobody knows about and you haven't repented it's like a car like when you drive a car and you hit a pothole or or maybe you've been driving through Georgia streets and you have the alignment gets off you just came from getting your car alignment and it feels like you hit a pothole on 75 whatever I don't care but you're driving and if you let go of the steering wheel you start to watch your car go to the left the crazy part is that you can't see the alignment being off, but you can sense it. You can feel it. You're driving your car and you can feel with your steering wheel. And, and there are times, if I'm honest with you, that you can overcorrect and compensate for that alignment. And that's what we try to do with our life. And when you try to hold on to these things and I don't want to let nobody know, but I feel like I'm drifting. 
And it feels like, man, I'm, I, God has a goal, a purpose, a plan for me. And I feel like this thing that I'm not letting anybody know about is kind of going to the left. And then you come to church on Sundays and we, we get aligned. And Father, I love you. And I repent. And we have conversations and things start getting good. And then you get out. And as soon as you get out on Monday, again, it's like, boom, you hit another pothole and your soul gets off of alignment. The hope and the desire today is that we would give you some tools to be able to help you to have your soul in alignment. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So Psalms 51, 17, it'll come up on the screen. It says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, oh God, will not, you will not despise. So what does repentance have to start with? It has to start with a, a, a heart that's been broken, that's contrite, that, that a heart that allows God in to help you understand what things are right and what things are wrong. When there's no repentance, what happens to your heart? You get hard, bitter, resentment, things that aren't part of a healthy soul. So God uses tools, right? He uses tools to help us get aligned. So the first tool I'm going to talk about is a tool of conviction, okay? Conviction, it's not guilt, all right? Guilt, guilt happens when you have undealt sin. Guilt happens when um, you have sin in your heart, and I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to even, I don't even maybe believe that it's, it's right or wrong, and it turns into condemn, condemnation. So that's a big word, right? Some people might not know. Condemnation is like a sentencing. It's like you're being bound. You no longer have freedom in understanding what your decisions are making. Okay, so that's what guilt does to you. When you have guilt, it's because you're doing this thing over and over again. You're still not sure if it's right or wrong in your brain, and it becomes guilt because there's this sentencing that you're bound to that specific thing that you're doing but conviction that's a whole nother system that is a whole nother thing and it says in John 16 8 it says and when he comes he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment so who is he he's talking about the Holy Spirit okay you don't bring conviction on yourself people don't bring conviction on you the Holy Spirit does so when Chino says instead of hiding it you come to church and you or you go into God in prayer and you ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to you what is right and wrong then it doesn't turn into guilt it turns into okay is this right or wrong I was talking to somebody this week and it was crazy because she was telling me a story about some, somebody trying to teach her something and she just never felt and it was something from the Bible and she just said I don't really feel like I know you're giving me some Bible verses but I don't know and this in the Holy Spirit just inside of her just convicted her convicted her this might not be true this might not be true this might be true and she took man years Five years or so even before she started, she started reading the Bible. She started asking other people. She started and the Holy Spirit led her to the right decision on what the Bible and what God feels about the specific topic. So that is conviction. That's what the job of the Holy Spirit is to do. If you feel guilt, it's because there's undealt sin and the, and the enemy, Satan, is tormenting you, keeping you bound in that guilt absolutely tools of alignment right how do we align our soul if we feel like we're drifting to the side i definitely think conviction is one of them you allow for the holy spirit to convict you yo this is off this is wrong there's there's something wrong with what i'm doing I, you have to admit it and the holy spirit will begin to convict you and i'm like let's say it's not guilty guilty is a sentence it means you did something wrong Though you did something wrong, it doesn't mean that you are something wrong. But what happens is the guilt will put that belief in you and you're just like, 
This is who I am. I'm a mess and I'm just a mess and that's who I am. But the second thing I think that we need to understand is that obviously the Holy Spirit uses conviction and guilt tools to align you and then also uses consequences. Now I want you to understand that consequences are not the same as shame. Listen to the Bible. Galatians chapter 6 verse 6. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 through 8 it says do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that also will he reap for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows of the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life God uses the consequences of our poor choices to lead us to repentance not to punish us right so this is a step that God will first convict you there's something off here there's something off here. I need to. And if you don't respond to that and you continue with unconfessed sin and you continue with the sin, all of a sudden now you have to reap some of the rewards of the things that you have not repented from. So now you get consequences. If I put an apple tree in the ground, what am I going to get? Oranges. No, you're going to get apples, my guy. That's simple lima beam in a cup, third grade. You know what I'm saying? Like put a seed in it. And if it's an orange seed, you're going to get orange trees. If you sow to corruption, you're going to reap corruption. So the Bible is saying to us here that the very same things that we sow. So if I can put it into context, right? If we begin to sow bad things, we're going to reap bad things. What would happen if we begin to sow good things? What happens if we shift and we say, yo, I no longer want to put this seed in the ground. I want to shift the things that I'm doing and I want to produce something better. Now, what the enemy would try to bring to you is that consequences will start to produce shame inside of your life. Now, shame is this thing that starts to harden your heart because when shame enters the picture, now after you produced that or you did something that was wrong and you haven't repented it now not only do you feel guilty you're like yo I'm an idiot why do I keep why do I keep doing this but then you start to walk in shame now the door starts getting a little bit closer because not only are you feeling guilty now but now you're feeling shame and when you feel shame you close the door on everybody your mom doesn't know what's going on your husband doesn't know what's going on your wife doesn't know what's going on and it feels like it's this thing that now you feel like there's no exit to this I'm living in this thing and I, I can't, I've closed every door. I can't let nobody know that I'm dealing with this. I can't let nobody know that this is happening to me. And you close every single door and you feel trapped. And what happens is that when you feel trapped, it's easier for you to go back to the sin because it's you and the sin together. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. In the message version, it says, as a dog eats his own vomit, so fools recycle silliness. You're stuck in this thing. And it's happening. And instead of walking out of this room, instead of aligning your soul, you, you close the door and you don't allow anybody to know what's happening. Heavy message, y'all. Heavy message. I want to tell you how God wants to bless you. I want to tell you how to get four steps to get $35 in your bank account in the next 35 days. Shoot, I need to learn that one, Mike. I need, well, $35 ain't really going to do much. I need like $3,000. Hey, you feel me? Not even a quarter of a tank. You plan. <laughs> It's a, it's a heavy message because I believe that if we want to have our soul right, let's take the summer and let's get our soul clean. Yo, we got to learn who we are, our identity. Jesus loves us, period. But then we got to deal with some stuff that we don't want to deal with. And I think it's important for us to do so. Yeah. And the last thing that we want to talk about is um, for tools of alignment is discipline. Sometimes discipline, we say, is condemnation or punishment, like I had said earlier. But let's read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God has treated you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. 
true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit the father to the father of spirits and life and live? They disciplined us for a little while as though, as though they thought best. But God disciplines us for good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness, peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline. God uses discipline. There are, everyone understands consequences, right? You make decisions, there are consequences. Either good consequences or bad consequences. And sometimes those consequences are allowed by God for disciplinal purposes, for, for discipline, so that you understand the right way. Anyone here who has a child understands this concept. We were even talking about it in the car. We, we, sometimes we just allow, we tell our kids, hey, you shouldn't do that. And sometimes we just let them do it so that they can understand the outcome of it, right? And it might not be bad. Now, we don't I let them go. I suck at that part. I'm always trying to avoid the concept. Yeah, I'm always, always like, just don't do that because this is going to happen. It's like, Dad, I'm six. But they don't understand. They don't understand. And we don't understand sometimes when God is telling us what's right and what's wrong. And so he allows us to go. Obviously, he's, God is, is um, just like us as parents. We're not going to allow our kid to run into a street and get hit by a car. So you can just understand, don't run into the street means you're going to get hit by a car and die. No, okay, we don't do stuff like that. And I know that God doesn't do that either. But he does allow certain things to happen for disciplinal purposes so that way we can learn who he is. That he, that he is not just a God that's looking down on us, trying to condemn us or sentence us or punish us for the things that we do right and wrong. He's, he's looking down at us as a father who loves us, who wants to protect us, who wants to lead us and guide us into the right direction in our life, to lead us to what is good in our life, not, not to lead us down a path that, that, that's going to bring destruction, bondage, fear, frustration, resentment. He's trying to help us. He uses dis discipline as a tool to align us, to show us, hey, maybe I should go back and say, you know what? This was wrong. I shouldn't have made this decision. Maybe God was right. And he brings you to repentance sometimes through discipline. And like I said, it's not, it's not because a lot of times, especially people in church who have been in church for a really long time, they hear all these things they hear. They don't have an understanding of this concept. Disciplina. Yeah. And sometimes churches and pastors don't do a good job. And I apologize for that. You're going to sit for But, six months. Okay. Let's not go there. Getting barita. Okay, okay, okay. That's not but, tongues. That's Spanish. It's pretty bad, though. Yeah. You don't want that. But but that kind of, yeah, that kind, it's not punishment. And sometimes we get caught up in that. And then we start changing that to like, okay, that's not the human person that is doing those bad things to us. Because those people need to be called to repentance as well. That's totally wrong. Let's just get past that. But what I'm saying is then we start putting that on God. God. Well, you're always punishing me. And God, why do I have to always do this? And you start getting this resentment and bitterness towards God, who is a loving father who created you, who, if you understand the concept, you are legitimate. You are a true son and a true daughter. And if you can accept that, you can accept his love for you. Absolutely. The, the idea of condemnation, right? It's, it, it's, it, it, it blurs what my wife said, it, it blurs the picture. You always think, why are you always picking on me? 
I'm, I'm not picking on you. I just don't want you to live in that space. There's so much more for you. And if you will step out of this space, then I'll leave you alone. Some of, we know what that feels like. When the Holy Spirit constantly, you know you need to stop. And you're just like, man, leave me alone. Let me sin in peace. You know what I mean? Like, I just, let me do my thing. And it's just like, no. And the Holy Spirit, he loves you so much that he wants to convict you. He wants to give you consequences. And then he's going to discipline you. And those things are not meant to be punitive, meaning to punish you. So that you know, ah, I punished you. You're wrong. And that's it. Punishment. That's not the way that God operates. God is always trying to restore you. For you to restore a vehicle, you're going to put some sandpaper on it. You're going to break some of its parts. You're going to cut some stuff off. And it sucks. If you're the car and you're feeling that, it sucks. But the idea is that once I restore you, your original value is much less than what you're worth when you are restored. If I take a 76 Chevy and I restore that thing, I bought it for $2,000. But if I restore it, it's going to be worth $30,000 because I took the time to break pieces. I took the time to eliminate things out of it and put restoration in it. And that sucks sometimes. But if you go through the process, you're going to be better for it. You're going to be better than you ever were. But if you, if you live in it, you're going to continue to walk in this idea of having guilt and, and shame condemnation and it's just like a constant deal and you're stuck behind these closed doors when God wants you to get out of that space tolerance is the enemy of repentance another enemy of repentance is, is secrets it's when we hold on to these things and we don't allow for anybody to know the, the verse that we started this entire deal off is that, is that God is a light and in him there is no darkness meaning it's hard for us to hide sometimes, right? But we do that. God, I don't want to talk about this one right here. Just don't, you don't see that. Just, hey, God, how you doing? You know, bless me in my going out and in my coming in. But don't, no, I don't want to talk about this one. This one's, we, we'll talk later, Lord. You know, I'm just a human. But God is a light. He wants to expose those areas, not because he wants to hurt you, but because he wants to heal you. Look what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Yo, if you catch anything, man, catch this part. If you catch anything, man, please catch this part. The Bible says, my little children, these things I write to you, meaning everything that I've talked to you about, it's already in the Bible. I don't want you to sin. Walk away from sin. Repent from sin. And he says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate or a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So God, I'm not perfect. I get it. Well, God, I'm going to make a mistake. Cool. I know you're going to make a mistake. Just repent and try. And I promise you, you're going to be good. But God, I don't, I don't, I don't want to repent because I'm going to do it again. I get it. But you might do it again once. You might do it again twice. But if you do the work, you're going to start noticing that you stop doing it less and less. And the days are turning into weeks and months. And before you know it, you're like, yo, it's been a while. But it's you actually taking the step away from it. I tell you these things so you won't sin. But if you do sin, you have Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation or meaning he's the offering for our sins. Not only for ours only, but also for the whole world. How, how do we step out of this cage that we're in? How, how do we get out of this space that we feel trapped in every single space? How, how do we get out of this thing? I think James chapter 5 verse 16 gives us a, a, an exact example. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Meaning that you have to step into the light. Not only with God, but you got to step into the light with man. Norman Grubb in his book, Continuous Revival, he wrote this. Openness before man is genuine proof of sincerity before God. Openness before man is sincerely, it's the most honest truth. It's the most beautiful proof of sincerity before God. 
Hey God, I know we talked about this. And God, I've been trying to do this on my own, but and I'm, I'm going to talk to him. Lord, you better seal him up. Let him hold water. Don't, you can't tell nobody this. Hey, let me switch this for some people. Yo, you might be that person that somebody's going to come and they're going to talk to you and your responsibility is the very same thing that you want people to do to you. You got to hold that. And I know it's burning because you want to tweet, tweet about it. Some of y'all need to stop stepping out on your wife. I know you want to say that. But in that moment, I think you need to hold it and walk through a season of restoration. I don't know how to do that. You don't need to know how to do that. The Bible does it. We can learn together. This is a, we're a body of Christ. Watch what the Bible says. If you do not allow for this to happen and you keep it to yourself, you get to this point. And this is some of the ugliest places that you can be. Psalms 32 verses 3 through 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as the heat of summer. He's experiencing physical, emotional, and spiritual effects of unconfessed sin. I've been there, bro. I've had moments in my life where I haven't shared anything with anybody. And I'm like, yo, I just, I'm a man of God. And I can't, I can't, this, I'm, I can't say nothing. And what's crazy is that the years of freedom, the years of experience of being able to be free from something has been because I've actually stepped to somebody and said, yo, I've been trying to do this on my own and I need your help. And when that accountability came through a person, now it was like, yo, they're going to ask me about it. <laughs> but then I took it even a step further. Then I started chasing after God and I started to fill myself with the Spirit. And it was crazy because as I filled myself with the Spirit, the Bible says that you would not deny the lust of the flesh. Now understand, there was work. There was work. And sometimes what happens here is that we don't want to do the work. Trust me, you want to do the work. I, uh, I hate Georgia traffic. Miami traffic is different, right? But I feel like we're crazy. We just like, everybody just spins in and out. Like there's a method to the madness. Yeah, you come to Georgia, y'all just be like... Slamming on brakes for no reason. <laughs> wow. It's like somebody got pulled over, bro. That ain't none of your business. Why are you sitting there waiting, watching what happened? He got pulled over. Bro, it's a cop. It's a person who got a ticket. Leave him alone. But everybody want to Oh my God, what happened? Pull your phones out. It's, it's the worst. It's called rubbernecking. But I learned in Georgia that you need to stop worrying about my own business and stop worrying about other people's business um, because you're going to end up going the wrong way. We have something in Georgia that I, when I, I've, I learned about this now, but when I first moved up here, and originally we're from Miami, Florida, we've been here about six years now. This is home for me. I'm not going anywhere. I love your dumb traffic laws and obedience. Um, but, but, uh, but yo, I remember driving through downtown Atlanta and I was driving through downtown Atlanta on I-75. It's one road. I-75. I know that I can go I-75 at this time we lived in Wade Green, so it's exit 273. You feel me? Like, I just, I just go on there. I, was, uh, I wasn't texting because I don't text and drive. <laughs> don't you do nothing to me, Lord. Um, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was paying attention. But right when you pass downtown, <laughs> if you go straight, you're going to end up in Alpharetta, Roswell. Yes. You're going to end up on I-85. Like the main road, I-75, if you go straight, turns into I-85. You got to get all the way to the right and you have to sneak 
all that way. Or if you miss it and you're like me and you're driving by yourself, you got to risk it for the biscuit and go through the HOV lane. Um, but I didn't give you that advice because you're going to get a ticket. That's a $200 ticket. That's only the Georgia people. Hey, if you're watching online or maybe you're listening later on the podcast, I love you. Um, you Google Georgia. And I remember that I just, I kept going straight. So I'm like, I'm driving. And as I'm driving, I'm like, Sandy Springs. I said, oh my. And it always happens when you have like that meeting. You know what I mean? Like I got that meeting and I'm like, yo, what the heck? So what do I got to do? I got to get off the exit. I, I need to get off. I gotta, I'm mad. I'm frustrated because I don't want to get off the exit. I was trying to get there. I was trying to get Dunkin' Donuts before I go to the meeting. Like I had it all planned out. I left early. To be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. And to be late is to be left behind. So I had it all figured out. But I decided not to pay attention. So now I'm going the wrong way. And I'm way off of traffic. And I don't got the GPS because I know where I'm going at. I'm going home. And, and then here it is. All of a sudden I have to get back off. And add another 15 minutes yeah right because 285 coming back north is the devil it takes 20 minutes takes an hour and a half you know about that ricky because you got to come up that way and it's i mean it's just at five o'clock in the afternoon trust me you're gonna question your salvation but i, I got on i get back on it and it just takes time and if you allow for your soul to continue to drift the things that you tolerate now the things that you hide in secret, the things that you don't allow for God to, that you don't submit to God and then be open to others, all of a sudden now you're going to start veering off. You know that you were supposed to be so far ahead, but you feel like you've been spinning your wheels for so long. And you know, man, you see people that, man, I, I know the gospel. Like th this thing that I'm doing right now, bro, there's some of y'all in this room that you could do it 10 times better than I can. But you've allowed for yourself to just veer off a little bit because the alignment, right? If you if your car's out of alignment, that thing just before you know it, you were supposed to go this way. I, I was heading that way, but now all of a sudden I'm going this way, and I'm farther and farther away from the goal, the purpose, the destiny, the things that God had in my life. Now here's what it is: you would think that if you're driving forward, I'm so out of touch, I'm so gone, I'm so on this side. What do I do, Chino, to get back on the path? Get off the exit. It takes work. I get it. It's uncomfortable for you to share with somebody what's going on. It's uncomfortable for you to be real and vulnerable and say, yo, I'm dealing with this. But get off the exit because I promise you there's going to come a time where you're going to get off the exit. You're going to get back on the ramp and you're going to end up going the right way. And there's nothing in life feeling better than to wake up in the morning without guilt, without any shame, without any condemnation. Knowing, yo, I got an empty suitcase. I don't got anybody. I don't. There, nobody can hold anything on me. Ain't nobody going to find something on me that they're going to cancel me for because I've repented people know my life people got my passwords I, I know who I am I ain't got nothing to hide bro I'm walking in freedom and bro that is the best feeling I got no closed doors I don't have to worry about oh my god but if they find out I don't they, too many people know I've shared way too much from this platform for you not to know and living in that there's so much freedom but yo the freedom part that's elementary bro that's the first floor that's that's cool but it's the fact that I could start building and heading where God wants me to go. That I could start building on the legacy of men and women that came before me. That I can watch a healthy family around me. I don't get it all right. I, I make mistakes. I'm an idiot. I do some dumb stuff. But yo, the beauty of it is that I know how to take my car back to the mechanic. And I know how to use the tools of alignment. And get myself right back onto the same road. Before we ever begin to get our soul aligned, 
For some of us, we need a, we need a soul alignment that's deeper and stronger. And that soul alignment is called salvation. We've been living our own way for so long. We ain't got no GPS. There's no, I've been driving my car my way. I've been doing it on my own. God is a spare tire. He's not my steering wheel. I use him when I need him. Hopefully, today something stirred up inside of you that would begin to tell you like, yo, I, I need to put him in the front seat. I, I need him to align my car, but I need him to drive. And hopefully the, the desire of our hearts, the reason why we got up in the morning, we turned on the lights, we practiced as a worship team, the reason why we came out here and we set all of this stuff up is that some of us today, not that a bad person would turn good, but a dead person will come back to life, that you're spiritually dead, that you're far from God, you've drifted for so long. My hope and my desire is today that you would, that you would come back. And for some of us, it might be the first time, for some of us, it may be the first time in a long time. But today we need to come back to God. Get off the exit off the exit would you do me a favor would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second thanks for listening to our podcast today the mission of greater church is to reach and empower all people we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey if god is using this ministry to impact your life please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors partner with us by giving online and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us